just hand it to me. The following podcast is a Sam Productions production. Welcome to the Autism Warriors, Episode 4, What I Can Do at Home to Help My Child. You can check us out on our website at autismwarriors.com. Our email is feedback at sayitproductions.com. Twitter is sayitprods, that's P-R-O-D-S. Voicemail, 813-915-6390. I want to let you know that we respect and uphold the rights of people to make choices concerning their family member with autism, whether it be vaccinations, therapies, or medications. I'm Erica Plord. I'm the mother of two children on the autism spectrum, Cassidy 9 and Garrett 7. And I'd like to introduce my co-host, Pamela Mari. Hi, Pam. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm ready. I think. You're ready? You think? Yes. Yes. Well, I had an announcement that I wanted to make. I wanted to announce that we created an Autism Warriors group on the World Autism Community. That's worldautismcommunity.com. If you're a member of the World Autism Community, please stop by. Feel free to leave us feedback, questions, comments, or suggestions for our show. That leads us to our resources available section. I've got a, a quite a few that I found, Pam. I know I still noticed you found a couple. Uh, Autism Society's online resource database, which is at autismsource.org. It you search nationwide autism-related services and supports by location or service type. The Autism Source resource database created in 2004 is the most comprehensive database of its kind. The Autism Society strives to offer only credible and reliable resources to its constituents. Therefore, they have employed their nationwide network of chapters and collaborated with other autism organizations and professionals throughout the U.S. It is because of these collaborative relationships that the resource database continues to grow and is kept current with comprehensive resource listings. Um, And since we're talking about what we could do at home to help with my child, I found a couple, uh, well, one, which is at helpguide.org, and you could find these links in your show notes. Um, I found autism treatment strategies and parenting tips. There's some great parenting tips, some of which we will discuss in this podcast. Also, I found a link to also on the helpguide.org, um, and that these this link will be provided in the show notes. Uh, preventing caregiver burnout. You definitely want to check out this link because if you're burned out, how can you effectively take care of your child? Also on nichcy.org. You can go and locate um, free autism services in your state. It has a listing of state agencies. 
And then also on NECTAC.org, we have early intervention, intervention state contact list to, to locate free autism ch services for your children birth age to 10. Pam, you want to talk about your resources? Yeah, I was just trying to let you finish up there. That's a, a lot of information. Well, in keeping with what we're going to talk about, some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, this is something, and I am a living, breathing testimonial to this. Uh, it's a, a term used in speech pathology called recasting. And I'll go into it a little bit later. But the resource is obviously www.speech dash language dash development dot com front slash recasting and it's a, a speech and language website that discusses the the recasting tool and how you use it but there are also some other very good just little freebies little techniques that speech therapists use that you can use in your home and help your child so like I said later I'll, I'll elaborate on recasting and and how I feel it works and again, in keeping with what we're going to talk about later on, the second resource is Sensory Activities at Home, and that can be found at bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, hub, H-U-B dot com. And that, too, offers a, a, a great list of little sensory activities you can do at home. You don't have to be a professional OT to do them, but they will help your child with autism. Those are some great, great, great resources there Pam definitely I checked them out and I was like wow I was already implementing this and I didn't even know what it was called <laughs> the recasting yeah wow. I'm a I'm a recasting fan and I'll I'll yak a bit a little bit about that later because okay. it does work it's one of those things that does work well one of the first things you want to do to help your child at home is structure your household for example scheduling picture cards are important for especially the nonverbal um, children. But in structuring your household, you want to be consistent. And by consistent, I'm, I, I want to talk a little bit about slot machine versus Coke vending machine parenting. You want to create a list of rules with your child present, like a family meeting. This, and I've done this with my children and post the rules and consequences for breaking the rules. And in being consistent and making them follow those rules, you're going to be kind of like a vending machine. They're going to put their dollar bill in and they're always going to get the same response. Whereas a slot machine, you put your quarter in, you pull the lever and you might get a different response every single time. So you definitely want to make sure you're going to be a vending machine, not a slot machine. So, but uh, you would definitely want to stick to a schedule and post that schedule so the kid, so the um, child knows, you know, they need predictability. So um, definitely post a schedule of what is to ha be happening either during each day. Uh, we have a schedule on our refrigerator that kind of describes every single day, you know, get up, get dressed, eat your breakfast, brush your teeth, you know, basic things. Um, you want to reward good behavior. I've used stickers in the past. I've used, I've bribed my kids with money. Um, but we definitely reward good behavior and what to do with the negative behavior. Um, you want to see if your child will respond to, especially the smaller children, you want to see if they'll respond to taking a time 
out or, you know, um, if so, implement timeouts, but you might want to find something to redirect the negative behavior. You want to create a home safety zone. You want to carve out a private space in your home where your child can relax, feel secure, and be safe. This will involve organizing and setting boundaries in ways your child can understand. Visual cues can be helpful. Colored tape marking areas that are off limits, labeling items in the house with pictures. You may also need to safety proof the house, particularly if your child is prone to tantrums or other self-injurious behaviors. Again, this can all be found on the Parenting Tips website previously discussed. Um, I've actually had, I've, I've actually done the, uh, you know, trying to carve out a private space in my home where my child can relax. And that pretty much involves now that we, we live in a three bedroom apartment, uh, go to your room, take some time, think about what you're saying, think about what you're doing, and then we'll talk about it. Had to do that the other day with Cassidy. Uh, and, and it worked. So you want to look for nonverbal cues from your child. Figure out the need behind the tantrum. If they're having tantrums, you want to make time for fun. You know, we all need to have fun. Um, you want to pay attention to your child's sensory, sensory sensitivities. You want to create a personalized autism plan for home. A good plan will build on your child's interests, offer a predictable schedule, teach tasks as a series of simple steps, and remember to take time for yourself. Get respite. Do not get caregiver burnout. Erica, can I ask you to go all the way back up? That's to okay. The top? You, can. you could have even interrupted me. <laughs> uh, I'm very good at that, so I, I try to sit on my my hands when it comes to that because I'm I'm rude in that regard. Uh, having to do with sticking to a schedule and post the schedule. Could you elaborate for folks that don't know or just getting into the whole autism world? why it is so important for our guys to have a schedule, what a schedule. Uh, it's not just for the sake of thinking, oh, I'm three, I need to be organized. What does that predictability mean to them? And it means more than it means to us. Because most autism children are very, um, you know, they need to be regimented. Uh, they need that predictability because anything that strays off the given path might cause a tantrum. They're they're very they're very resistant to change. Exactly. The, the predictability of anything, whether it be the time they get up, uh, what they eat for breakfast, what time the bus comes, what mommy does, mommy walk me out to the bus, or do I walk out by myself? Any of those things constitutes uh, a a feeling of safeness for them. Their their rituals, their their habits, the predictability of their day, like you say, is tantamount to them having a good day because the slightest little change in any of those that you or I would say, oh, the stupid bus is five minutes late. You know, what am I? Now I got to wait till 8.05 for the bus to come. If your child were capable of knowing it's eight o'clock and that the bus didn't come till 8.05, that might be an enormous meltdown causer. Mm -hmm. So without, how do I want to say this? Without creating a ritual for them, 
because my son is very ritualistic and then you get into the the situation where you have a child with rigidity of thought and if they're not capable of even diverting from that schedule for a little bit it it can become a long-term obstacle in their life so yes give them predictability and give them stability to comfort them but i would also suggest that when the time is right maybe not necessarily when you're getting ready for school you know, but over the weekend or something, you might want to say, okay, well, today's Saturday. Let's try having eggs for breakfast instead of pancakes. You mm-hmm. know, don't let Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Be- and that was actually what I was just going to talk about was preparing your child for transitions, changing things yeah. up a bit, see how just they react. Skosh. Yeah, just a skosh, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. So it's not that jolt. In, into mm-hmm. a into a different you know situation, but you don't want to and and I can see this with my own son. I let him go way far, too far down the straight line thinking road, and now I'm having a he double you know what time getting him off it because yeah. he's very ingrained in his ritual. So even though it's comforting to them, every once in a while I'll try and tweak it just a little, just a hair, you know, mm-hmm. so that they learn that. It's okay to be flexible. You know, your shoes aren't going to fall apart if you wear a different pair of shoes or, you know, and then when they do do something that indicates they were just a little bit more flexible, it's like, hey, Garrett, good job wearing, you know, your blue sneakers today instead of your red ones or whatever. Exactly. You know, exactly. great job getting on the bus today, Garrett. I mean, today, this even just this morning, um, usually I'm out there on the front porch standing, waiting for the bus. And then I tell him to come out. Well, today the bus came. I was sitting at my desk. Well, my my desk, it's a kitchen table um, sitting at the kitchen table. And I'm like, your bus is here. And he just got up, got his backpack and walked right out the door. Didn't even say goodbye <laughs> or anything. I was like, Wow, that is a big thing for Garrett because usually I have to drag him kicking and screaming to the bus. So for him to take on that responsibility of, hey, my bus is here, I'm walking out by myself, that was a huge, huge milestone for him. Yeah, it was. And you it might to... not happen again tomorrow, but true, but it was wow, you did it yourself. Yeah, and you you got to reinforce that too. Like you say, even mm-hmm. if it's just high five, you, you did it. You know. Now I'm like running out the door, waving, and I love you, giving him the I love you, um, hand, you know, sign. So <laughs> he's just like, yeah, mom, whatever. I'm on the bus. Leave me alone. So, but definitely, you want to pre- prepare your child for transitions and changing things up a bit. See how they react. Know what works for them. What doesn't. My son had a thing, Garrett had a thing with transition objects, and he's had this, tra- you know, a thing for transition objects um, for a long time, since, I don't know, dating back to when he could walk. Okay, and again, it, can you can you explain what elaborate you mean by that? On what the transition object is? Yeah. It's a thing, it could be a spoon, it could be a favorite toy, it could be just something, anything that... They feel they need to have with them uh, when, when, wherever they go. So Garrett had initially it was these little pegs from a pegboard where he would carry those around, and he'd carry two red and two red in one hand and two blue in the other hand, and he 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 would freak out if he didn't have them with him. So 
but it would it helped him with the transition from okay going from point A to point B, and he wouldn't he would put them down, but they couldn't be very far away from him. He had to have those right there because it made him feel grounded, made him feel safe. So, but we so had you to, would you would uh, liken it to like a security blanket for lack of kind, a better term. Yeah, for lack of a better term, he was like Linus with a security blanket, <laughs> except they were pegs. <laughs> he didn't suck his thumb though. So, <laughs> okay. But uh, but he became school aged, and as he uh, we had to wean him off the transition objects because he would always bring like a fish, to, a little fish to school or whatever. And uh, as of last year, first at the end, by the end of um, first grade, he had he wasn't bringing any type of stuffed. He had graduated to stuffed animals, and usually they were fish. And we we weaned him off of it by the end of first grade. Had a little bit of trouble in, over the last couple of weeks where he wanted to kept wanting to bring something to school. I couldn't figure out why until he told me that other kids were bringing toys to school. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Garrett, you can't bring you can't bring it to school. And who put uh, the uh, who put the kibosh on and bringing them to school? The teachers, the teacher, the teachers. Why? why? Because it was distracting the other students. OK. I didn't fight it. I said, you know what? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. He fought it. He fought it. It was hard for him to give up those transition objects, but he got through it. And now he is very used to not having to not needing it. I mean, around town, if we go, if we go to say a store, he, I'm, I allow him to take it with him. If that makes him feel safe, but he knows that he cannot bring it to school. At school is a place where you work, and they have little things that they do with him at school to keep him grounded and make him feel safe. So, but, I guess my point is why. Okay, if he wanted to take the big stuffed fish, which obviously would attract everyone in class's attention, why couldn't they come up with a smaller, you know, little little pocket size, like you say, a pocket size reinforcer? Well, he that. did. I mean, he would bring like these little tiny little fish and, you know, but they didn't want him bringing them to school anymore. They were distracting the other students. And How can something in his pocket distract the other students? I don't know. I guess he was taking it out. <laughs> oh, my God. The child child needs it. You know, I mean, it's good that he's weaned himself off it. But why make a big deal out of it if he needed to have a little safety thing. Is it better to throw a tantrum? Is it better to have a meltdown or have a plastic fish in your pocket? This is exactly. the, the thought that I don't understand why, why a school would do that. You know, yes, if he wants to carry in a life-size cutout of, you know, Charlie the tuna, yeah, it's going to attract attention. But if he's got a little fish the size of a, what do you call this thing, Swedish fish or something in his pocket? I mean, unless he's hurling it across, across the classroom, what's the big deal? Mm, I don't know. He would he would take it out and play with it and make and he has a he he's one of those sensory kids that likes to make noise. He's a noisemaker, so he'll do his la 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 la. I'm playing, do do do, and that's disruptive to the class. So remove the toy. Hopefully he'll stop with his la di da di da. But he hasn't okay. stopped. That's why he's on red half the time. 
because he may. Oh, so he's, maybe he's it would have been better to let him, let him have the damn fish. That's my point, probably, you know? probably. But I'm just um, I'm glad he got through that and, and and is able to, you know, transition to the bus. And he actually, when when he gets, with the exception of this morning, he usually has a fish or whatever that he's that he wants me to babysit for the day. Mommy, I can't take this to school, but can you babysit it for me? <laughs> like, okay, I'm babysitting Mr. Whale. Woo. Oh, God love him. That's <laughs> that's a big step, you know? It is. It is. <laughs> Don't it bring is. your fish to school. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I mean, a, a fish or a, what's that thing? An Uzi. You know? I mean, let's worry about the kids that have guns, not the kids that have fish. Okay. I understand absolutely, but we, you know, and I was irritated about it initially, but then I said, you know what, it's time, it's time because I don't want to, I don't want to see him start getting picked on because he's carrying a stuffed animal to school. Ah, eh, okay, true. Because he's, you know, he's in second grade now. He'll be in third grade next year if I, if he is up to par because I'm thinking I might keep him back because he's not doing well academically. So um, if he goes to third grade, you know, bigger kids, bigger attitudes, bigger problems. So, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad he was able to uh, wean himself off or we were able to wean him off of taking the toys to school. So, I used to, initially when it first started happening, I said, hide it in your backpack. <laughs> you could bring it to school on the bus, but put it in your backpack, in your locker. And then when you get, go, go to, go on the bus at the end of the day, bring, take it out and you could play with it on the bus. But then that kind of, you know, they kind of figured that one out and put the kibosh on it. But you wanted to talk about working on speech at home, recasting. I'm really interested in hearing about that. Okay. Well, when when Joey was not very verbal, I joined a group called the Natural Late Talkers. And it is uh, – was started by and, and run by uh, Dr. Stephen Camerata of Vanderbilt University. And Dr. Camerata is – uh, a good friend of and and works together with a gentleman named Thomas Sowell. And Thomas Sowell is an economist. He writes for, I don't know if it's the New York Times or some newspaper. And he wrote the book, The Einstein Syndrome and Late-Talking Children. So this is the premise I functioned on for a long time with Joey, that he was just a late talker. And in connecting with Dr. C and, and following his suggestions and whatnot, one of the things that this group suggests is this practice called recasting. And basically it, it's, it's idiot proof. You know, if you have a child that can only say, buh, okay, at whatever age, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever, the, the kid can only make letter sounds, buh, buh. Okay. So then you, you add on to it. The child says, buh, you say, bah. If you have a child that can say ball, then you say big ball. If when he learns to say big ball, then you add on another word and you say big blue ball. You basically become a parrot. Sorry. Absolutely. Um, but you're parroting everything the child says back, but you're adding on to it. 
See, I never knew that was called recasting. Um, yeah. And trust back, me, it works. Thinking it works. back to when Cassidy was going through her speech and language pathology, you know, her speech and language pathologist explained to me, you know, that whole, you know, adding on to what she's saying. You know, she's saying, buh. You know, I, I actually did that with Cassidy. So I uh, never knew it was called recasting. She never told me it was called recasting. Yeah, and I've I've told other moms with kids that are are not verbal to their age limit, you know, or where they're at chronologically, do it. Please listen to me, do it. And then I've talked to them like six or eight or nine months later and they'll say, Wow, she's really coming along. And it will you will feel like a jerk. You will feel like an idiot because everything they say, you say it back. Don't change it. Like you said, if they say blue dog, you say big blue dog. Don't make a whole sentence out of it. Like, did you see the big blue dog? What's a big blue dog doing? No, just add on one more word or one more sound and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And you feel like a broken record and repeat it and you, it works. Okay. But so it, it sticks. It sticks. And if you can't afford a speech therapist and you're thinking, well, how do I teach this kid how to talk? This is a good way to start. You know, start with whatever that child's baseline is. If it's a one or two words, if it's one or two sounds, you know, it, it will not hurt. Don't think that because you're not a, a speech pathologist, you don't know what you're doing. You know, it really, truly works. And I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I, I can't say enough good things about that because that's what, what I did with Joey. I mean, I can remember him standing right, right there in my kitchen, pointing up to the cupboard, wanting a pretzel going, uh, uh, and I got so sick of it, you know, uh, uh, and then finally when he could say pretzel, he would just say pretzel, pretzel. And I'm telling, I heard it so many times and I was so frustrated. I had the pretzel and I held it up in front of him and I said, I shouldn't have done this, but <laughs> I said, I want a pretzel. And he wanted it so bad. The motivation for him was so great because I was withholding it from him. That was his first sentence was, I want a pretzel. Wow. He, pardon me. He was pissed. He was mad. I want a pretzel. And I was like, here you go. You know? So don't <laughs> great think. Great sentence. Great sentence. Yeah. You know, you feel bad because you're you're facing someone that can't communicate and you think, Oh my God, what a schmuck I am. Um, I'm like dangling this pretzel in front of him like a carrot in front of a, you know, a horse. But that's not true. That the the carrot, I was going to say, the pretzel is the, the motivator. You know, it's okay to withhold a little bit. Now, by the same token, if he, if, if again, all he had said was want pretzel, of course I would have given him the pretzel, you know. But it doesn't hurt to try to pull it to pull it out of them via a little, you know, a little enticement, shall we say? Yeah, we the, did that with Cassidy. We had a um, she liked raisins, and we would uh, we were playing a game at the table one day. I don't remember what game it was, but um, we had the we had the raisins there, and we're playing a little game, and she kept wanting to grab the raisins, and I said no. No, you're not getting a raisin. Do you want – and we – at the time, she wasn't speaking at all. So we had sign language and we were doing this, you know, do you want more? 
do you want more? And I'd do the little sign for more, and she'd go. I know the more sign. You stick your finger in your cheek, and you go, you know, like you're screwing it into your cheek. That's yep. more. Yep. That's she would she would do the more. She wanted more. So well, in 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 back then they did the you know fingers. You know your. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Two fingers together. Two fingers together, both hands. Two fingers yeah, bird, together. Two more. birds pecking. Yeah, that's more. Sorry, more. that's candy. Yeah, candy your is, in, yeah. yeah, that's candy. But, <laughs> you know, we, we'd make her say, we would make her say more or sign the word more. And then the next week she'd sign, she'd go, ma, ma. Exactly. exactly. You know, and eventually she got to where she could say more. Took It was a long process, but, you know, I was just happy when she finally said, said, the word mom or mama for the first yeah. time she was two and a half years old now i will admit with with your saying the more and the candy that was exactly what my the girl i hired to come here did and when she started signing with joey when she was done i said why are you doing that this child is vocal why are you teaching him sign language why would you take somebody that can make noises and revert back to a physical means of communication and she said, watch this. And that's exactly what she did was the more, you know, and but she always it was the sign then followed by re, by speaking the word. Mm-hmm. So he would sign it and she would say more and then she would give it to him or whatever. And then the second time he would sign it, but she wouldn't give it to him until he said the word. Exactly. You know, so that's the whole premise of that is to get them to use their expressive language. Yeah. So don't be, you know, I was scared to death to sign language that they were going to just teach him how to sign. And I, you know, I'd have to learn ASL myself and, and I wouldn't know what was <laughs> no. going on. But no, that's, that's how they do it. They fade out the sign and, and move the word in mm-hmm. to replace it. So. Yeah, that's that also was, why we had picture cards too. We had, I mean, we had pictures of orange juice, Cheerios, uh, milk, cows, you know, all sorts of different things that, you know, words that she, you know, and we would build on them. She, she knows what she wanted. She wanted cereal one day. So she would go get the picture card and I'd say, oh, you want some cereal? Okay. Cereal. You know, you'd repeat the word and then you put the the little magnet back up on the refrigerator, get her her cereal. And then the next time she came back, you know, she had to say, at least give me something, you know, of a, some sort of word, even if it was suh, you know, and then she'd get her cereal. So that's, we, we had picture cards. We had, we had a lot of stuff. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention, and I, did this before I think I even had Joey diagnosed because along with the expressive, I used to wonder, well, what, what is he really, is he understanding what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? You know? So when he was still toddling around here, I would be in the living room and I'd say, Joey, go get mommy's glasses, go get my glasses. And I'd sit in the living room for the longest time and I'd be in there thinking, oh my God, what's he going to come back with? You know, the scissors, a spoon. What What is he going to come back with? You know, and he'd come back with the glasses. So you can test their receptive language the same way. Uh, and just, you know, don't make a 
big deal about it. Go get me, go get mommy a spoon and see mm-hmm. what they come back with. And then you'll know if they're, you know, if they're receiving the proper message or not. And even for Joey's first official school speech evaluation, Miss Alice, you know, they're sitting at a table and they're playing with the plastic dinosaurs or whatever. And real just out of the blue, she said, Joey, will you, she didn't even look at him. Will you go over there and get me a Kleenex? And he went over and he got her the Kleenex. And I thought, boy, isn't that slick, you know? And she wrote it down, you know, came back with Kleenex. So I thought, oh, this is, you know, so you can do that throughout the day to Mm -hmm. help work on their receptive language as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we did that with both my, uh, with both of the kids. Oh, bring me, bring me the big blue ball in the other room, you know, or something. Go get me my, uh, go get me my, um, shoes, you know, or whatever. But Cassidy still, sometimes you ask her to get something and she can't find it. But it's not that she doesn't know where it is. She's just like, they, they, she has a tendency to, to, and I, I notice it about Garrett too. They, oh, go, go grab me, go grab me the, the remote control and they're looking for it and it's right there. You know, it's right there in front of the television where it always is. And they're looking for it everywhere. They look in the kitchen, they go in the living room, they go in the bedroom. They're looking for this remote and I'm like, oh, forget it. I'll just get it myself. <sighs> Yeah, but isn't that kind of like you have your glasses on your head? Yeah. You know, and you're looking for your glasses, so. Yeah. It could be that, too. But I'd like to talk about the sensory activities that you have. Well, I can't honestly say I did a lot of these. These were things that I've seen more done at school, but they certainly can be done at home. I know Joey loves swings, and from what I know, most of our kids on the spectrum like the swings. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I used that as a teaching thing, you know, we would swing and we'd count from one to a hundred and we'd, we'd do the alphabet, you know, every time you go back and forth and back and forth. And he has one of those, I don't know what you call it, a bouncy ball. It's like a big ball with a handle on it, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. What are those things called? You know. I don't know what they're called, but and he bounce, they, makes a sense to me. Ball. Bouncy ball. That's what I call them. A therapy ball. I don't know what the heck it is. Personally, I couldn't stand to see him on it because I've got like that fear of pointy, pointy coffee table syndrome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I know that. Yeah, I don't. You know, I used to walk around and cover the corners of things with my hands everywhere he went. Um, the bouncy ball is is a good, it's a good thing for them because it it gives them that motion, you know. Mm-hmm. They say that our kids like that kind of motion. Um, squeezing under pillows, depending on how particular you are about your sofa. You know, you can take your sofa pillows off and smother let them, the kid. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. kind of. <laughs> you know, let them build a castle and crawl underneath. Of the, just the weight of the sofa pillows sometimes is enough for a small kid. Um, believe it or not, every time we get a new mattress in Joey's room, I know this is going to happen because it's. It's a ritual for him. He will drag the whole stinking full-size mattress out into my living room. Oh, my goodness. Not while I'm looking. You know, I'll be outside and I'll come in and there's the mattress in my living room. But that's because he can, like, bounce. It's like a trampoline. He can bounce on it. Yeah, he can bounce on it. Um, So if you can get – we have a mini trampoline in the basement, which I've never used. But you can pick them up at yard sales or what have you, and the, the kids love those. 
Shaving cream. Oh, my God. Shaving cream. Again, if you're a fastidious housekeeper, God love you, because if these guys get a hold of a can of shaving cream, they they just have a blast. I mean, all over the kitchen floor, all over themselves. I mean, if you want to structure it, just clear off. You know, See, Garrett, Garrett had, had the sensory thing where he did not like to get dirty. He oh, did okay. not like he was, you know, tactile. He didn't he didn't like anything sticky. He didn't like anything touching him. He never liked to have his hands dirty. So shaving cream play was awesome for him because, hey, let's play with some shaving cream. We're going to get your hands nice and dirty and we're going to make you work that shaving cream. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's it's good it's good for the, his sensory, his tactile. Um, he likes you know like the way they like to touch things, or they don't like to touch certain things. Um, definitely, you put down silly putty, play with the silly putty. They're pulling it apart. They're oh yeah, yeah, Garrett. Um, Finger painting, we would we would make him do finger. Not make him. It sounds like I'm forcing my kid to do finger painting. (laughs) But he would be getting his hands dirty, having fun doing it, and knowing that hey, it's okay to get my hands dirty. Exactly. It's okay. I I can handle this. Yeah. No, playing with pudding on the table. (laughs) Just throw some pudding out. Play. But he would. He was one of those kids that did not like to get his hands dirty and. We got him to do it. Um, Plus, he had a sensor. He had an issue with, you know, when he finally started walking because he didn't start walking until he was um, 17 and a half months old, almost 18 months old. But when he finally did start walking and subsequently running, I would be at the kitchen kitchen sink washing dishes and he used me as a battering ram. He'd run into he'd start running and run into me and practically not this little. 19 month old child practically knocking me over and I'm like what is going on with you it was a sensory issue he needed that constant motion and and moving so what I did was I said you know what we we could do the squeeze under the pillows we could do the bouncy ball we could do the swing but right now mommy's doing the dishes so what I'm going to do I'm going to take a backpack a child size backpack and put just enough books to weight him down. Zip up the backpack. Go walk up the stairs. Go take a hike up the stairs. Do it a couple times. Come up, go up, come back down. He stopped okay. using me. He would stop using me as a battering ram because it would get him grounded enough. Give him just that that much. You know, like they talk about the weighted vests. Yeah, that's kind of that was kind of my form of a weighted vest was the backpack backpack with the books in it because I wasn't going to be a bat. I was not going to be a battering ram or I would sit him at the kitchen table and I said, hey, here's some Play-Doh. Pound the heck out. And I'd show him pound the clay, you know, and here I am pounding clay and he's sitting there pounding the clay. Loved it. it. It grounded him enough where he was not going to do the sensory things that he was doing because first of all, it was violent. (laughs) He practically would knock me down. I'm like, I cannot believe how strong this child is. Yeah. It's amazing. 
it it's it, it is so yeah that's that's a good one i might even cuz joey has this horrible horrible habit I, I think back how long have i been suffering through this of banging his fist down on the desk and banging his fist down on the desk and banging his fist down on my stove i would like to get a new stove you know but i'm not getting a new stove till we're done with the banging because it won't look good after a while and they seem to be able to squelch it to a good degree at school but here it just drives me uh, you know it drives me up a wall not only is it noisy but you know, desktops don't last forever if you pound on them all the time. You know, have him pound some clay. Hey, Joey, you want to pound something? Here's some clay. Make make make, make mommy an ashtray. <laughs> yeah, make me an ashtray. Oh yes, I. Uh, that's redirect one that, that be definitely redirect that behavior. You got to find a way to redirect that. Oh, one of my friends suggested we put something next to him and direct the banging to that surface, whether it be a drum, whether it be a, a plastic Rubbermaid container, what have you, you know, and then slowly move it from the large banging item to a small, you know, like scale it down. Yeah. And she said it might take a year. It might take two years for you to wean him off of hitting the computer keyboard or hitting the mouse or hitting the desk, you know, to something. But it, it's interesting because the way the behavior began was like you were saying the sign for more, you know, mm -hmm. the chicken, the chicken peck, chicken pecking fingers thingy. Yeah. That's how, it, that's how it started. It started oh, wow. out as chicken pecking fingers and it progressed to banging. So, oh, wow. Would that lead you to assume that at that point in his life, whatever he was receiving from the chicken pecking fingers was sufficient, but now it is not? I don't know. I would, I would think, I would think something's going on there. I don't know, but it got to figure out where it's emanating from. Why is he doing it? Figure out the behavior. That way, you can some somehow. What's he doing before he starts banging? In other words. Uh, the antecedent we've had, <laughs> I've had two, what do you call them, behavior studies done on it. Mm -hmm. And the young man that did it said he was, he called Joey an equal opportunity banger. <laughs> <laughs> he said he uses it. He uses it when he's mad. He uses it when he's overstimulated and he uses it for sensory. He's an equal, oh, okay. he's banging right now. He's an equal opportunity banger. So. So it's, you know, it's across the board banging. So it serves multi-purposes for him. It's his behavior of choice, shall we say. Ah. So that's my challenge. So. Wow. Yeah. That's my daily challenge. So what therapies can I get at home? Which I've you already. You can't get any. <laughs> I got some when he was little. I had private speech. And yeah. I, I paid for it out of my. Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and then I had to pay the overage, which was about 130 bucks a session. Wow. And that mounted up quickly, and, um, you know, I ran up a $1,200 bill with the speech place, and I was wondering how I was going to pay it off. And um, See, all of mine were, all uh, for their early intervention services, all of it was free. 
No, I was stuck in, like I said, I was stuck in daycare or school limbo, or I missed the boat on something there oh, that I had to get. So yeah, to you didn't get, you didn't do the early intervention. You didn't get to get the under U.S. federal law known as the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, where children with disabilities, including those with autism spectrum disorders, are eligible for a range of free or low cost services. We got ours for free. Uh, everything Garrett Cassidy had one hour of speech and language pathology a week. Now they did take our insurance information, but you know, uh, I don't think they, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I imagine that they build the insurance company and whatever was not paid for. They did not charge me because they asked us all these income eligibility stuff. Um, Garrett started off speech and language therapy with about, Six hours a week of speech, OT and PT. And then once he got the autism diagnosis, it went from six hours to 15 hours a week of all of those services until he was three years old. So, but he, we, I didn't pay anything out of pocket. Anything, not anything out of pocket. But, uh, but if you look at the links, it, if you look at the links in the show notes um, for the Autism Society online resources database and then the early intervention intervention state contact list and then the state agencies, which was another NICHCY.org, uh, you can locate free autism services there. But and it, but it, it specifies here that these free services that are um provided under the individuals the idea um it only goes up to age 10 and they do not need an autism diagnosis to receive the free services under idea if they're experiencing a developmental delay including delays in communication or social development they're automatically eligible for early intervention and special education services my question is what about children over the age of 10? And I thought maybe you could provide some insight into that. Over the age of 10? What well, are they Joey's, eligible for? Joey's 13. And I mean, I can tell you what he does now. He goes to school. Uh, he doesn't really receive any extraneous services other than those that he gets in school. He gets speech in school. He gets OT in school. Um we take part in something in the summer called STAP, which is a summer camp for kids. I'm trying to think what else we do. We have our, our BSC that comes to the house and meets with me and checks on him and sees how things are going. But I don't have him in any external, like we go to therapy on Thursday night or we go here Tuesday afternoon. You know, I really don't. So I'm a bad, a bad one to say what they can uh, take advantage of at his age. I'm sure if I wanted more, I could get more. Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, we're experiencing some kind of budget cut here in the state of Pennsylvania that may or may not affect our kids' ability to have what they call here at TSS, therapeutic staff support. It's like an aid, you know. Oh, okay, in the, yeah. In the classroom, yeah. we have this big convoluted setup as far as what kind of money pays for TSSs, and the governor just issued a new budget. So we don't know what we're going to have next month. You know, we might lose our our insurance to cover that. We, we don't know. So uh, 
I don't think I'll be seeking any additional services until they figure out what the governor did to the budget. I would, so it, it, uh, yeah, kind of have to tread depends. lightly there for a while. Wow. So well, that looked like it pretty much concludes what we had to talk about today. And I have some stories, and I see that you've got some stories. Yeah. Random. <laughs> random, random. Random news stories. Ah. Well, I saw an article that said at the Boston Conservatory. Hold on. Sorry. At the Boston Conservatory, autistic students learn music from music lessons or learn from music lessons. Um, the Boston Conservatory is renowned for its intensive training in the performing arts, but on Saturday mornings, this Fenway institution offers a unique program providing music lessons to children and young adults with autism. The Conservatory, a private performing arts college united with the Higher Autism Higher Education Foundation in 2007 to form the Boston Conservatory Program for students on the autism spectrum. This little-known program pairs each child with a single teacher who also works with a consulting team that includes a music therapist, a speech pathologist, a special educator, and professionals in the music industry who have an autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. I thought that was awesome. That's pretty cool. It's about time some places start to step up to the plate and, and, and give of what they have as far as resources go. Exactly. I, I can honestly say I have Joey and he has a music therapist that comes to his class. Uh, and I thought, this is going to be weird, you know. But I'll, he always seemed to be curious as to what the other kids in the class were doing when she came in. He loves it. He loves it. He's going to be in a show in October He's supposed to stand on stage with a microphone and sing while Miss Andrea plays the guitar. Now, whether or not that comes to pass, we will see. But but they said they don't really care if the kids don't sing or not. It's more about gaining confidence and, and getting up in front of an audience and keeping your composure, you know. But it's interesting to see the way the music therapists work other things. I thought it was strictly music. Okay, we're going to sing the song. We're going to beat this drum. No, she incorporates, if there's academic things that you would like to have addressed, she'll incorporate those into the lesson, if it's social things. So I'm, I'm really impressed with the whole music therapy uh, package. Absolutely. Me too. I think it's cool. So, but I thought that was a great story. I mean, just people giving back and... um you know, people being able to get something from the conservatory, and it's just a great story. But then I had um, another one where the headline says, Extra Effort, Mel Min Sr. with Autism Has Come a Long Way Since Freshman Year. Emily Wardwell walked the halls with her head down as a freshman at Melrose Mindoro High School, her hair covering her face, and she's Quote, unquote, my first year at Mel Melrose Mindoro High School was frightening. I did not want to go to a new school. This new school had new teachers, different faces of students, and the scary thought was, how can I make friends or how would I make friends? Autism challenges Emily's understanding of teenagers and the way they talk, teachers, friends, and social situations. Her fears have caused her to hide under a classroom table and not want to talk with classmates she didn't know. During her four years at the school, Emily has worked with her special education teacher, Misa Haight, 
to overcome her fears of social situations. Um, let's see. Uh, it's because of uh, Emily's transformation throughout high school and what she has taught staff and students at Melrose Mindoro that she was named the Lacrosse Tribune Extra Effort Award winner for the school. Um, she does not have strong eye contact and she is a visual rather than an audio learner. Many teachers had to switch their teaching style to help her be successful. So basically, as she grew, the school grew. You know, because the teachers changed their different teaching styles. But it, it was good to see that, you know, the progression from when she was a freshman and hiding under tables to um, becoming, you know, better adept and um, ultimately graduating high school. Yeah, well, as you say, if the, if the faculty and the administration are willing to tweak their system just a little bit to help one person, they should be proud of themselves also. I mean, it, everyone should do it, but I happen to know that everyone doesn't do it. They don't make the accommodation that they could, even in just the slightest ways, to help our kids. And they need to wake up and see what can be done with someone, you know. I mean, And she, she went on to say, she said, even though I have autism, I have proved that things can change for the positive and it is all right to be in situations that are not always comfortable. But definitely, I mean, schools need to learn that they need to tweak, sometimes tweak the way they teach to accommodate an autistic child or any special needs child. I mean, because most autism children are visual learners, not audio learners. So how are they going to learn if all you're doing is lecturing them? Sometimes you have to show them, you know? So, but, uh, and then I found another one, uh, interactive game helps autistic children recognize emotions. And it's kind of, this came from medical news today. I, I subscribe to their RSS feed, but this kind of rem this kind of reminds me of what we used to do with Garrett. We didn't have a game, we didn't have an electronic game, but we used to have picture cards with different faces on them with a label of mad, glad, sad, happy, angry, and um, he used to love the one um, that was silly. He it was a picture. It was like a little round smiley face with tongue sticking out and he loved that one he would always do silly always do silly he'd always stick his tongue out but this particular i guess it's an interactive game that they can play and it helps them to recognize emotions software okay. software the software features interactive games that let children with asd practice recognizing facial expressions of an avatar it's basically okay. Yeah. That's good, and it's true, and it's a starting point. But beyond that, once they're capable of recognizing that in someone else, then you have to turn it inward, and that's where I need... That's where they have the difficulty, yeah. Yeah, Joey can say to me, don't be angry and frustrated if, if I'm mad. You know, like, how many times do I have to fix this computer for you? You know, he'll say, don't be angry and frustrated. But all he ever says is, I'm mad too much. Uh -huh. Well, are you really mad or is it? So I had a psychologist tell me, don't, 
don't let them sit in class with him and say, oh, is this man mad because he dropped his hot dog on the ground? What the, you know, he says, what difference is that? He didn't give a damn if he dropped his hot dog. He needs to know what makes him mad. Oh, yeah. And that's what makes why I have me that's... mad. You know, he said, have them role play it out. Like, give him three preferred items or whatever and then take them away from him and say, how's that make you feel? You know, how? How does that make you feel, you know, that I took your things? Because, yes, the, the beginning is recognizing it as a facial thing or it's a starting point. But then you get down the road and you're going to have to deal with, do I understand how I feel? Yeah, personally, I've had, as opposed I've, to uh, Cassidy's nine now and she's now starting to. Um, learn her I feel statements and that's yeah, why that's I, so have, hard. I have her she goes to the school psychologist but she also goes to individual therapy and she also go well family therapy because I'm sitting in the room with her I mean I don't necessarily have to but I'm there um, but she also goes to group therapies every Monday and she has come in it's been she's been in the group therapy for seven weeks now, and she's she's come a long way in understanding that, you know, not just to react and show, you know, obviously she's angry, but she's not saying she's angry. I feel she's learned her I feel statements and she's starting to learn to be able to communicate that without having the tantrum. Yeah, that, that's a real I th- that sounds like a good idea sales or what have you of this movie so it's supposed to be pretty interesting because it's true true life and second for well, anyone sounds- that would like to go the autism society yeah i mean it sounds interesting i just don't particularly care for wretches and and jabberers i mean i wonder uh, I'm like why are they calling it that i don't jabberers. know wretches, jabberers jabberers I said, I said grabbers and our producer will there Happy must be please. a reason. There must be a reason why they're calling it wretches and jabberers. Yeah. Maybe there's a something Some said behavior. in the document. Maybe it's a behavior. Yeah. Maybe it's a behavior. Oh. But uh should be interesting. The Autism Society annual national conference. This year will be held July 6th through 9th in Orlando, Florida. And the registration, if you're interested, is open online at the Autism Society of America website. July 6th through 9th? Yeah. And you can register now, I guess, if you're interested in getting a good hotel room or what have you. And that's at autismsociety.org. Awesome. So that's my, my goodies for the week. Thank you. Thank you. So how was your week? Oh, well, our bus drama continues, and I just don't know what to do about that. I'm just waiting to see what the powers that that B want to suggest. You know, we have a good day. We have a bad day. The poor bus driver is beside herself. I don't know where she is. I I just don't know. So we will see. I don't know if the problem's on the bus. I don't know if the problem's with Joey. I don't know if the problem's with her. I I just don't know. Can I ask you something in in – this is something that I had to do to try to figure it out hmm. um, because when Garrett was in kindergarten, he was having a difficult time at daycare and I was constantly getting horrible reports about him. Have you ever gone on the bus with Joey? No. Just to see, just to see no. how he's acting? 
No, I would like if they had, you know how some of the buses have video cameras on them? Yeah. Because I said to her, do you have a camera? And she said, no, I asked for one, but they won't give me one. <laughs> so we kind of got off on the wrong foot in the beginning of the year with this lady. And, and I moved past it. I don't know if she's moved past it. I don't know if I'm putting too much weight on what she says in that because he's my child, I take it semi-offensively when maybe I should, you know, maybe it's just stating a fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get there, I guess, eventually. This weekend was Daddy's birthday, so we had a cake, and Joey made him a card, and he kept saying, we have to have a celebration because it's Daddy's birthday today. And I was like, well, what are we going to do? You know, like shoot off fireworks? or (laughs) What are we going to do? It's a rainy Sunday. You know, all I have is this stupid cake, and we couldn't put candles on it because we had a bad experience with birthday candles setting off the fire alarm one time, the smoke detector. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we don't do candles here anymore. No. So <laughs> that was our week. So tomorrow's another day. I don't know what day it is. I guess it's Wednesday. Yep. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Yep. So what happened uh, with you? Well, I mean, not much. Um, Cassidy still thinks the world hates her. I apparently love Garrett more than her, and I, I had written on, written on a napkin over the weekend because they were with their father and sitting on the couch, and I wrote Erica rules because I was bored. <laughs> but then she wrote on the napkin, but she doesn't love her daughter. So I had to have a conversation with her um, a couple days ago about you know. Your mommy does love you, you know, (laughs) so I don't know why you think the world, or maybe that's because she's, you know, one of those tweens. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Um, Garrett still still has a lot of repetitive behaviors. (laughs) I guess you would call it repetitive behaviors. The other day, he, I don't remember what he asked me for, but he asked me for something and I said, "The, the answer is no. Oh, he wanted to play on my new phone. He wanted to play Angry Birds. <laughs> uh, why am I, I should have said was it Angry Birds. And thanks a lot because now I'm stuck on level two. <laughs> I'm on 4-21. Um, but um, he wanted to play Angry Birds and he did not understand the concept of I said no. He kept – he must have asked me about 20 times until I finally said to him in a very stern voice – do you not understand what the word no means? I mean, I was ready to pull my hair out. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to ask me 20 times and finally on the 21st time I have to yell at you to get you to understand that mommy means no. If I say no, I mean no. <laughs> he's very he's, he's very uh, persistent when he wants something. Yes, been there, done that. Every stinking day. I often said to Joey, did you go take S therapy or whatever? Because I remember reading in the S therapy book that, you know, if you go to a store and you got a bad piece of liver or something and you want your money back and the manager says, we don't normally give money back. You'll have to take a credit that you should just stand there and say, I want my money back. I want my money back. I want my money back. And until they get so sick of you that they will, in fact, give your money back. So that's where... I think Joey was trained there. I didn't know it, but yeah, they drive you bonkers. 
They do. They do. But, uh, I mean, I look at my kids and I say, you know what? I don't have it that, I don't have it so bad. They are, they have come a long way over the course of, you know, the past, what, going on six years. I mean, they still have little, they're little idiosyncrasies that we just work, well, we, like I have another parent here in the household, like that. I work with or we as a family work work on so but those are that's pretty much all I had to report on for the week and I guess uh I should what are we talking what, about next week next what week are we talking about next week next week oh well he looks okay to me yeah the I've unseen effects of autism I've heard that a lot so I think that's something a great topic to bring up and that's something that we should talk about but yeah, I like to will. think Thank you, Pam, for, My pleasure, for hosting with me again. I'm sorry, I was cutting out. I don't know what the problem is. Everybody's can't blame it on Joey. He's in his room. It happens. It happens. Um, but uh, once again, please email us at fa- Facebook at sayitproductions.com. Our voicemail is 813-915-6390. Um, catch us at autismwarriors.com. Catch us live Every, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please consider donating. Uh, go to sayitproductions.com backslash donate, and you can see all the various ways you can donate, help us uh, to keep the show up and running. Um, thanks uh, for visiting with us this week, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.